what is up what is up what is up everybody welcome to the why jesus podcast episode number four i can't believe we are on episode number four already um you know here at the why jesus network our goal is to answer life's most important question that being why jesus so that is the lens that we filter everything in our lives through and today is going to be no different so i'm really excited to to introduce you guys to joe joe how do you say your last name it's Bahoda. the the c is silent oh, so it, everybody messes it up yeah don't worry about it 20 years in the all up. so i was on the i was on the live on on my personal channel um i'm doing this series confessing my sins live and um i was talking about our interview and i was like yeah my man joe joe yeah my, my buddy joe like <laughs> I'm like, let me not mess up his name before I even get him on the um, <laughs> on the channel. But anyway, guys, uh, Joe is somebody that um, I met through Daryl, who we were, you know, we just did our our. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday we we did a um, a podcast with Daryl, who's part of the Why Jesus Network, and you know, we did a. I think it was a Christmas thing we all got together and spoke about christmas and five seconds into meeting joe i was like oh no this this is this is gonna be my type of guy right here right and you'll you'll understand when he starts telling you his story and uh and and everything that he's been through on his christian journey so joseph if you could just tell us you know from be, how was your life prior to Christ? Did you grow up in the church? Did you grow around it? You know, and, and then how you came to Christ, and then from there we'll we'll take it to to how um, how that got you like involved in Word of Faith movement and sure. coming out of it and stuff. You know, you have a really interesting story. Yeah, well, my uh, growing up um, in Pennsylvania lived in pretty much middle of nowhere Pennsylvania, so I, we were raised in the boonies. <laughs> Um, so, um, we, my mother actually got, uh, <clears throat> introduced to a seventh day Adventist, uh, which is a whole other thing, um, church when we were small. So me and my little brother, we went to a seventh day Adventist church for me all the way until like the third grade. And then my family moved. Um, and then we went to public, public school, which would be my fourth grade year, my brother's second grade year. And basically my, um, my mom kind of stopped going to the church, but basically my dad put his foot down and said, and my, my dad is not a Christian, so it wasn't a Christian thing that he was doing, but he basically, he kind of saw God and the church as kind of like a competition with him mm. type of thing. And he was like, you know, either choose the church or choose me, right? Well, my mom chose my dad. And therefore, basically ever since I was like 10 years old, all the way till I left to go to the army when I was 19, I never set foot in a church. I wasn't in church anymore. So there was a period of about nine years where I didn't do church. Now, I, my mother, when I was littler, used to read the Bible stories to us. So like I knew about Jesus, I knew about Noah's Ark and, you know, the Ten Commandments and Charlton Heston that would come on every year. So I'd watch the Ten Commandments <laughs> probably like 20 times. So I knew, you know, certain Bible stories and stuff like that. But um, it wasn't until I joined the army uh, in 19... Gosh, when that was it? Not 95. Um, and then, but I hated myself. Um, I was very lonely, very homesick. I was 19. 
And, um, and the reason I joined the army is because we were extremely poor. Like I went to college for like a half a year, but then I had to drop out because my, my family couldn't afford to have me go uh, to college anymore. And I remember I had a really big fight with my dad and I was like, hey, dad, you know, how come you didn't save for this day? Um, how come you didn't prepare for my college and you didn't prepare for me to go on after high school, basically? And he looked right at me and he said, son, because I didn't think you'd be anything. Um, and that was so when you're 18 and you get slapped like that, um, needs to say you're, you know, when your dad is, you know, crushing your self-esteem, crushing your identity, crushing your, you know, you know, value in life. It's like, my gosh, what do you do now? Later on after Christ and the Lord showed me a lot of things, the Lord showed me he was just basically projecting that on me because that's how he saw himself, you know? Yeah. Um, and particularly since I'm a junior, so I carry his name and, you know, the whole thing. So for me, when you're a junior and your dad says, basically, you're nothing and I didn't think you'd be anything. Um, my whole life, if you will, kind of got flushed through the toilet. So growing up as a teenager, um, you know, I had thoughts of suicide and granted, I, I would never do it. Um, thank God. But I did think about it. I actually went to my mother and I said, Hey, I want to change my last name. I, I don't want to be a Bahoda anymore. I don't like being a Bahoda. Um, and all these type of things. Cause I just, I hated myself. I absolutely hated myself. I hated who I was. Um, and anyway, I was a young private in, uh, Fort Wainwright, Alaska, which is near Fairbanks. And I got invited to a drinking party. Now, I was 19, so I was underage drinking. So I was doing all the things I shouldn't be doing. Uh, and I got drunk. And I was like the life of the party. And I was like, Private Bahoda. Everybody loves Private Bahoda. Um, and I, but I do remember I used to pray at night before I went to bed. And I went hmm. and uh, I went home. And I, I, re I remember saying this to the Lord. I said, God, forgive me for not praying tonight because I'm too drunk to pray. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that's what I said. Um, I said, I'm too drunk to pray, um, but I still hated myself. It was just me trying to get validation from something or somebody. Uh, and then about a week later, like all my buddies who invited me to the party, they didn't really talk to me anymore because I wasn't drunk. Like I wasn't at the party and I wasn't drunk. So that it showed me like, you guys are fake and you guys are phony. You only like me when I'm drunk. You only like me when I'm partying, but when I'm not partying, you guys really don't care about me at all. Um, so I realized that, you know, I don't really have any friends and my family's in Pennsylvania. I'm in Alaska. I'm like four or 5,000 miles away from everybody. I don't have any friends. The people I thought were my friends really weren't. They're really fake. And I kind of hit rock bottom as a 19 year old. And one day there was this church. They were just coming around the base and they invited some soldiers out to church. And I went and that was kind of, um, you know, the, the, the starting point to me getting reintroduced to God again, um, to make a long story short, I got saved in the military, um, in November 7th, 1996. Um, and here we are 20, what is that? 26 years later, still, uh, still serving the Lord and, um, still loving the Lord as best I can. That's awesome, man. Uh, it, isn't it interesting how, in, in situations that you would never expect it is, is where God grabs you. You know, yeah. like you're in the military in Alaska, yeah. you know, <laughs> like not, not down in Texas, you know, not in, in Virginia, not, no, you're in, you're in Alaska and 
this is where he gets you. You know, right. I, I, I came to Christ through a network marketing company. Like who would have thought home-based business, you know, I got into it to make money and yeah. here I, you know, I've become a Christian through it. Like what are the odds? Well, God knows them, but, uh, you right. know, for us, you know, when we look back on these things, we're like, how in the heck? But it's, it's interesting that you, you made some, some observations, right? Where people, they only wanted to be around you when you were drunk. Like you were kind right. of their entertainment, you know? Right. And I think that that's just a reflection of how we treat people, period, in society today. Like you go hang out with your friends because they're entertainment to you. You know, you go to the bar with them because they're entertaining to you, but you don't right. care about their, uh, you know, what's going on in their personal life. You know, is their marriage right. okay? Are, are their kids doing well in school and all this stuff? We have these superficial relationships, and I realized that a lot. You know, I, I, I didn't become a Christian until I was 28, 29. I don't, I don't know the exact date like, uh, like you do, but, um, you know, around that time, but my whole entire life, I, you know, I do have some friends from prior to being Christian that were still really good friends and actually care about my life. Mm -hmm. But many of them, I was just their entertainment. Right. And uh, it's a it's a it's a sobering moment when when nobody wants to be around you when you're sober, you know. Right. <laughs> so take yeah. us take us from from there where, uh, you know, you were saved. You love the Lord. I know that it that it, it wasn't just say hey here i am now you know all these years later loving yeah. the lord there's a whole lot of stuff that that went on through that journey that i'm, I'm really interested in i know people want to hear sure um well like i said that that church group that um well first of all let, to your point about what god will do even in alaska mm -hmm. even how god orchestrated that because i was in alaska but i didn't get saved in alaska we had a 30-day training exercise in Fort Irwin, California, in the middle of the desert. Mm. So our unit went to Fort Irwin in, in California. And there was another unit at a Fort Stewart, Georgia. And we all came to Fort Irwin to train together. And when we got to Fort Irwin, they're like, hey, Bahoda, Private Bahoda, you're not going to be with us. We're going to attach you to the Georgia unit, which is really, really weird. So when we went into the box, when the box is when you go into the, the two-week war game, for those of you who don't know. So when we did our war gaming, I got separated from my unit on purpose because I said, hey, we want you to go to train with them. And it was this me and this one guy, Staff Sergeant Willie Caesar. I'll never forget him. <laughs> Staff Sergeant Willie Caesar was what a Christian. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And he was a deacon at his church in Georgia. So in our downtime, and we weren't like fake getting shot at and fake wargaming, he'd read his Bible and all that kind of stuff. And I, like I said, I just came out of that church. Like I just started going back to church again. So I was really interested in it and all that. And so for like three days, and it was just me and him in the box, just me and him for two weeks. And man, I, I probed this guy's brain for like three days straight. I mean, I, I must have asked him about 50 million questions about God, about the Bible, about Jesus. I mean, what the whole thing. And after like three days, he's like, hey, man, he's like, I got to I got to go to the bathroom. And so he took his little shovel and he went on the other side of the hill so nobody could see him. And while he was gone, man, I just I said, Lord, you know, I'm a sinner. I, I need you. 
that type of thing. And he saved me in the cab of that army truck. Um, and, and it was, there was, so that, that cab of the army truck in the middle of the, you know, Fort Irwin, California desert, that was my altar right there, man. Wow. And, and he came back and I said, Hey, what's, Hey, and Hey, sorry, what's going on? I said, I got something to tell you. He's like, well, he's like, I'm saved now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was, you know, and again, we still had like another, like 10 or 10 more days or something in the box. So now that the like 10 more days, he kind of just kind of mentored me and, and like asked, you know, he answered more questions and so on and so forth. And, uh, and he was kind of, and it was just funny when I think about it, it was like, God took a guy all the way from Georgia, sent him all the way to California to hook up with another guy from Alaska who God sent all the way to, all the way to California, just so we could hook up one-on-one in California, just so I could get saved. That's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely I mean, incredible. Just, yeah. The, the way God connected all of that. So then I'm saved, but then I, you know, I got to get back into the plane and I go back with my unit back to Alaska after a 30 day training is over. And I found out that this is a very, very like legalistic church. Like, um, you know, everything's the devil, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And, but not only that, like they were really, really big on like, you got to speak in tongues, you got to speak in tongues. So yeah. I remember this one, this one time they had like an altar call for like, they call it tearing at the altar for tongues. And man, they held me down like the, I was on my knees and the pastor put his hand on my back and he, he wouldn't let me get up until I said something. And he literally like held me down at the altar, man. I must've been at that altar for a good hour, hour and a half um, on my knees, mind you. So by, after about an hour, I have like muscle failure in my legs, yeah. my knees are killing me, my legs are killing me. So to make a long story short, man, I faked it. Like I just said something to get him off me and he finally let me up and he's like, you got it, brother, you got it. And I remember when I, when I went, um, I got back in my car and I was driving home. I said, Lord, you know, I faked that, you know, I faked everything about that. I only did it just so he could get off me. Um, so that was my, um, introduction to that church. And, but I thank God I didn't, I wasn't like, okay, I had a horrible experience. So screw church, screw God. Yeah, no, yeah. I was still very much seeking the truth. So what happened was we had another uh, training exercise, this time in Fort Polk, Louisiana. And while we were down there, like the last couple of days of that training exercise, I met an African-American pastor. And he's so therefore he, he was primarily an all black church. Um, and he's like, hey, I have a church up in Alaska. When you come up to Alaska, why don't you check us out? Well, make a long story short, I did. <laughs> Um, they fell in love with me. I fell in love with them. Um, so here I was the lone white guy in this all black church. I mean, I, I was like Forrest Gump when he was like singing in the all black choir and Forrest Gump. <laughs> that, that's how I was. I was, I was in the choir, man. I was, I was, I was living at the church and to make a long story short. I eventually became a deacon of that church. Wow. Um, and again, the, and then about, about a year later, there was another white guy who joined. So there was two white people in the whole church. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, for a while, I was the only white guy that was there. Now, keep in mind, I'm only maybe like 21 at this point. Like, I'm a really young dude. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm really a babe in Christ still. Like, I, I don't really know much, but here I am being a deacon. I'm trying to be faithful. Um, 
I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do. And the Lord used, I guess, the innocence of all that to really help me grow really fast in God, like really, really fast. Um, so I was raised in a black church, if you will. When I really started to grow and really so like black church, black Pentecostal, charismatic, run around the church, you know, all that. Like that was my baby for like the first 10 years of my Christian life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you, you know, you start singing some gospel songs, man. I'm there because yeah. I know almost all of them. So, so when, yeah. when I was um, before I was a Christian, I, I was in a, a motorcycle club and I was one of the only white dudes in it. It was all black motorcycle club. And um, we would go to church every now and then uh, the um, the president. He, he was he was a believer, you know, but the thing is, it's a it's a weird thing when you're like in the streets and stuff like that, because it's like you you do all this bad stuff. But then then you have these moments of you go to church, you know, it's right. really it's a really weird thing. But we would go whenever, you know, somebody went down on their motorcycle or, you know, there'd be bike blessings and stuff like that. But so I got anyway, long story short, I got introduced to black churches and i'm like man this is fun like it's it's, it's really fun it's yeah, it fun is. in here that was prior to me uh going to you know hillsong as as i told you it's interesting you jog you just jogged my memory right now because um there's this there's this space in between me just having the catholic experience of like stand up sit down and then i get invited to church and uh you know it was a hillsong church and I completely forgot until you just started talking about it, how I went to a few black churches that were a lot of fun in yeah. between that period. I was like, oh, this is crazy. This isn't uh, this isn't like a church I've ever been to. Music yeah. is incredible, man. Oh, yeah. 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 They throw down, man, that, you know, that they can blow the ceiling off, off the off the building. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's amazing. And then that well, I guess we'll get into it later. Yeah, but yeah. when I was pastoring in Iraq, I pastored the gospel service. This is years later, but I passed the gospel service in Iraq on my first deployment when I was, you know, still in the army because I did 20 years in the army total. Thank you, and by the way. Was, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, and that was an all-black church. That that was a church of about 300, and I would say 285 of them were black. I mean, there was only like about 15 people that looked like me and you. Um, mm -hmm. So it was pretty much an all-black church, and I was the pastor. I mean, it just it's just amazing how God. It's incredible. Like, it's so incredible. My life, like it's just been really like, I'm not even gonna use the word weird. I, I would say unique, but in a very, very, very strategic and good way. Um, how God just gave me this. Now, keep in mind, I came from the middle of the boonies, Pennsylvania. Yeah, like there was no black people for the most part where I was from. There was only one black uh, family in the whole my whole entire school, and they were, they were all boys. So I didn't see a, a black woman until I was in college. Wow. Um, like it just, they didn't exist where I was from. I mean, that's how isolated and sheltered I was from, you know, African-Americans or Hispanics or Asians or any of that for the most part. Um, we lived pretty much in an all white neighborhood, an all white town. Um, and then I joined the army Well, I went to college first and that opened my eyes cause that was near like Pittsburgh and Ohio and all that. So mm -hmm. you definitely get exposed there. But then when you get in the army that exposes you even the more, cause I mean, everybody from the whole world is in the army. Yep. Um, and then that just opened up the whole entire world for me. And then God even used the church to even expound on that. So yeah, it, it wasn't until I would say maybe 2000 and 
don't know, 13, 14 is when I started to get into more like contemporary services and like more Bethel or Hillsong and stuff like that. Yeah. But I would say for the first like 10 years of my saved life, man, it was all about the black church, man. That That's just, that's what I knew. And it's incredible. Um, it's like the, the opposite of, of me. Uh, you know, my, I grew up in very diverse, um, you know, when I was 13, I moved to Yonkers. And Yonkers is just a melting pot of all these different cultures. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we grew up around, so my little sister is Chinese, you know, so like our, our whole culture is other people's cultures. <laughs> and so it's, it's really interesting that it's like the opposite, you know, here you are this, this dude from, you know, wherever Pennsylvania, <laughs> and now you're fast forward, you're pastoring a black church, like the way that God just works and, and breaks borders, you know, right. breaks, breaks these social constructs that we create, you know, uh, in society. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't exist here. <laughs> it's yeah. absolutely beautiful. So take us, take us to that, to that journey of getting more into the contemporary. Cause I, I was, this is something you and I have in alignment. You know, I, I was in Hillsong for a pretty long time. Um, that was one of my first real introductions to Christianity, you know, up until you just jogged my memory. I, uh, you know, that was my first experience at a church that wasn't, um, you know, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, like the, the Catholic church. And actually yep. the only way somebody was able to get me to go to church was because they said it was like a rock concert. So I was like, man, I, I want to go. So right. to tell us about that journey. Yeah. Well, I, I stayed in the black church, if you will. Um, all the way until about 2012. And, and then the Lord started showing me some things where, you know, and again, I, I love my brothers and sisters in the Lord, but this one, and I'm not going to say this is for every black church, but this happened to be the black church that I was in at the time. Um, they would love to shout and run around the church and all of that, but they had very little word and substance mm. to their faith. It was like their faith was their praise. And I'm like, look, I have nothing against praising and worshiping God. Like on a scale of one to 10, if your praise is a 10, that's great. Mm -hmm. But it's not great, though, if your word is like a two or three. Yeah. Because what's happening is now, now you're like, you're spiritually malnourished. You're spiritually imbalanced because your praise is really high, but you don't have any ammunition. Like, and it was funny because I'm in, I was in the military and I was actually an ammunition guy by trade. I was, even though I served kind of like as a chaplain when I was pastoring, I wasn't actually a chaplain. Um, I was actually an ammunition guy. So I supplied the soldiers with ammunition so they could go fight the bad guys. Hmm. That was my actual job. But I'm like, well, if you don't have the word in you, you don't have any ammunition to fight anything. Hmm. Um, you don't have any knowledge. You don't have any skills. You don't have any wisdom. You don't have any guidance. You don't have any counseling. Like, all you have is your shout. And, and unfortunately, in a lot of these churches, that was kind of being taught. Like if you got problems in your marriage, shout it out. If you got problems with your kids, shout it out. If you got problems in your finances, shout it out. Like everything's like you need to get delivered from your shout. Um, you know, you get, you know, you pray, you know, they always use this story all the time. You know, when they shouted, the walls of Jericho fell down and, yeah, you know, yeah. and all that. So go ahead and shout as if somehow God is going to deliver you from all your stuff if you just shout. But yet you don't teach them how to be stewards over the finances. You don't teach them how to be a steward over their health. You don't teach them how to be a steward over their kids. You don't teach them how to be a steward over their marriage. You don't teach them how to be a steward in godly relationships and godly counsel and godly wisdoms and make godly decisions. You don't teach them how to master their mind, master their mouth, master their methods. You don't teach them any of that kind of stuff. You just teach them how to shout, run around the church. 
And I got with uh, the pastor's daughter at the time and I said, um, talk to me about like your discipleship program here. And she's like, elder, we don't have one. And I'm like, hmm. So basically, what do you do to grow and mature the believers that come here? And she's like, we basically don't. We just keep coming to church. <laughs> and I'm like, there you go. That's why your praise is a 10 and your discipleship's a two or three. Hmm. Um, and that's, and unfortunately, that means as long as these people keep coming here, um, they're going to remain babes in Christ unless they seriously seek the Lord one-on-one -on -one and really get into his word for themselves. Uh, and, then if, and, it, and then even if they do that, don't be surprised if they start coming up against because they're, they're going to read the scripture yeah. and then they're going to see what we're doing in church and they're realizing it, it don't match. Yeah. So now, which is kind of what, what happened with me, I'm like, man, I can't like get with some of this stuff anymore. Like some of this stuff is just crazy wild and we're just ignoring it. You know, there's a big elephant in the room and nobody wants to talk about this big elephant in the room. And I'm like, and you're just keep having church and praising God around the elephant. And I'm like, no, somebody has to deal with that thing because he's crapping in the middle of the sanctuary and this sanctuary is starting to stink and nobody wants to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, fast forward about six months after that, this, the same pastor's daughter, you know, I was talking to her, you know, we were, really, you know, good friends. And then one day she's like, you know, elder, I just, I don't want to talk to you because you're, you're just, you're just too negative. Um, and I just, I can't have conversations with you because, you know, you're just so negative that I'm somehow ruining her spirit or something. Um, so she cut me off oh, wow. and yeah, like I, I can't talk to her anymore. Um, and I'm like, well, shoot, well, if I can't talk to you and you're one of the people that I, I can talk to, then I have really no reason to be here anymore. I mean, um, I, I don't know what to do anymore. So that kind of started my transition. So then right after that, I went to Afghanistan for nine months. That was my fourth deployment because I've, I've done three Iraqs and one Afghanistan. So I did four deployments total. So right, right around about a month after that, I went to Afghanistan for nine months. I came back and I got with the pastor. I said, hey, I just, you know, I believe God is leading me somewhere else. And, and I left. And then that's when I went to basically a more contemporary church. Um, and it, now I, at this point, I was in uh, Fort Lewis, Washington, which is about an hour south of Seattle. So I was in Washington State. Um, and I, when I got back from Afghanistan, I started going to another church. And that was more of a contemporary, like Hillsong Bethel type of style. Yeah. Um, and I was in that for, shoot, I'll, I'll say probably all the way until about uh, 2018, 2019. But a lot of that. You know, and we're going to talk about this tonight. A lot of that was word of faith, prosperity gospel based or new apostolic reformation based because that's what Bethel is. And the Lord showed me the ills of that and got me at it. You know, I, I can't say I was never in NAR, but I was definitely in word of faith and prosperity gospel. Yeah. And I got out of all that. So I'm like, OK, well, I can't do that church. And then I can't do all the shout, no substance church. <laughs> so. God, where do I go? <laughs> um, and honestly, that's where I'm at now. Um, yeah. Me and my wife for the last, you know, three months or so, we've been trying to, we're right now in the process of trying to find another church again because yeah. it, it's hard, man. It's it really hard it to is. find a good biblical sound doctrine church. And even if they are sound, 
there's unfortunately because back in the late 90s early 2000s the prosperity gospel and the word of faith people had so much influence they were always on tv and they were always on like radio programs whatever there's still a lot of that remnant residue of that prosperity gospel word of faith stuff in people's theology yep so even if they're good pastors and good people and good christians who love the lord they were tainted 20 years ago yep and unfortunately a lot of that arsenic poisoning is still in their kool-aid if you will especially with the uh, ambition you know because yeah. if if you're somebody who wants to build a church you have some ambition in you right like that's just it's got to be part of your personality if you want to if you want to plant a church and you want it you want to grow a church right you have to have some kind of ambition in you and ambition is good when it's pointed in the right direction you know right. if you have ambition for the lord awesome but many people have, you know, they have selfish ambitions. It may start off as ambition, ambition for the Lord, but then it, it turns into a selfish ambition of, man, we got to get our church bigger. We got to, right. we got to, you know, we need, we need some more fog lights. Like we need this, we need that right. because you're comparing yourself to these mega huge churches. And now you're like, well, if I got to, if I got to make it, I got to be like these guys. Right. And, uh, you know, what you said is so, um, you know, it clarifies that way of thinking because it, it, it gives a clear line back to, you know, these televangelists from the 80s and, and 90s and, and stuff like that, where it's, you know, these, these kids who are now the pastors of these bigger churches, you right. know, they were influenced by, by that stuff. Um, I wanted to piggyback off of something that you said, though, um, where, you know, you were at one church and you're like, hey, uh, you know what, what's going on here what's the discipleship and you're, you're looking for substance essentially right. you know right and then you you go to another church and you're, you're looking for substance it took me a long time to to find a church that was giving substance that was really digging into the word verse by verse and stuff i had it for a little bit when i was in florida i went to calvary chapel down in florida and, and it's a big you know big church but they spent time in the word like they went uh, I go to Calvary Chapel here in, in Puerto Rico and every weekend, you know, they go through the word verse by verse by verse mm -hmm. by verse. And that that's what I was looking for. I was looking for something deeper. And then I had fallen on my face uh, in business and in life and just like was really screwed up, depressed, anxiety. And this is, you know, I'm a Christian. I, I'm seeking for really, really, really good theologically sound churches, and, and I'm just not finding it. There's the Hill songs, there's this, there's that, but I'm, you know, I'm really into the Word. I'm, I'm studying and studying, and studying, and then I go to these churches, and it's just like, ah. Uh, and then I, I just stumbled yep. in. I, I was brought to a church by a woman I was backsliding with. Right, I walk into this church. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And I, w I told myself I would never go to a Pentecostal church ever again. We'll never do it, right? And then I'm going to the, that church, and now I'm going every weekend. I didn't even realize it was a Pentecostal church because they weren't doing any of like the weird Pentecostal stuff. You know, wow. they were teaching through the word every single. Wow. And now the pastor of that church, like he married my wife and I, my, my wife got saved at that church. Uh, you know, he's friends with my family who are like, no, stay away from me. Pastors and people who are, you know, and, and now they like love the pastor and, and it's just, uh, God uses things that, that 
you're like, nah, I'm never doing that again. And God's like, yeah, okay, here you go. Uh, and, and now here I am in this church really fi- finally having some right. substance to it, right? And then I, I feel for your position because you're like, man, I'm trying to find a church. My wife and I, we, we went to so many churches like looking on their websites and then we go there and it's like, oh, this ain't it out here in Puerto Rico. And so I, I totally feel for your situation and for anybody that's listening man, it is difficult to find a church, but don't stop looking until you right. actually find one and don't settle for, right. you can settle for, like I'm not perfectly in alignment with all the theological things that they teach at Calvary, but they're not doing any heretical jumping right. into, you know, and, and and that's the kind of mindset you gotta be. So So take us through that journey of where you were like, wow, I am in a mess right now yeah. and I need to get out. It, it, it's it's hard and honestly it's been hard and and i'll go even further it got even another monkey wrench that got thrown into it so we were looking for a church me and my wife and we thought we finally found a good one like we were in around around or about 2019 or so we're like wow the the word so far is great um and there was three three main things we were looking for we we, we loved the worship of the Pentecostal church. You know, oh, we yeah. like the liveliness of it, you know, now granted, not the whole spookiness and run around the church and, you know, yeah, roaming yeah, yeah. Up like dogs, not that, but just the liveliness of the worship. Like, so we wanted great worship. We wanted fellowship and community. Like we wanted to have friends. We wanted, particularly since at that time, me and my wife were married about four or five years. So we wanted like good Christian couples to hang out with. We yeah. wanted good people to, you know, if we have kids at the time that we just adopted a six and a five-year-old like a couple months ago, by oh, the nice, time we didn't nice. have them, but, but we, we were, you know, thinking about doing that. So like, we want to have like Christian couples, you know, we can have like play dates with our kids and like, we want to have a community of believers. So we really wanted fellowship. And then lastly, it's like, God, I need a church that's sound in the word. Like yeah. I, I, I'm tired of the, the word of faith, because like I said, but this time I had come out of, I came out of the word of faith, prosperity gospel around 2011. So it's like, Lord, I don't want that. Like I'm done with that. I'm tired of pimping people for money and just, I'm so done with all that. So I need a sound doctrinally church. And man, around 2008, 2009, 2000, excuse me, 2018, 2019, man, we thought we, we found it. Like me and my wife loved it. The praise and worship was off the chain. The word was good. You know, the fellowship was good. I mean, I had fellowship at their, you know, their homes, whatever. They came over to our homes. Yeah, yeah. Like we were getting friends and 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 so we were there for like maybe like two years. Well, after about a year of being there, I found out they were oneness. So yeah. (laughs) So and and I I know. And and I didn't even know. So close, so close. I know. And it was so weird because I didn't I didn't know because you know how like you join a church and they have like a four week or six week like new members class or whatever? And we went to it. They had a four week. It was like four Sundays in a row after service. You know, you meet with them for about an hour and they teach you about who we are, what we believe, kind of what we're about, all that kind of thing. You know, this is who we are, blah, blah, blah. So we went through the whole four week course. And not once did they ever say, you know, we deny the Trinity. Yeah. You know, we don't believe we believe, you know, we don't believe Jesus was an eternal, you know, we believe before in the past, he was just a thought, you know, we don't believe that, you know, we believe that the Holy spirit is just a presence. We don't believe he's a person. I mean, all these Trinitarian things. 
And I, and, and I got all of that through the pastor by having lunch with him. Um, cause it never came across not once in the pulpit. Wow. Um, the only time it sounded a little weird cause they made a really big deal about being baptized in Jesus name. Oh, and that, okay. that kind of sounded weird to me. So I'm like, yeah. why are they making such a big deal about that? But I'm like, okay though, everything else seems cool. So I was good. I didn't get the background until I actually like the, the meat and potatoes of it until I went and we had lunch. I had lunch with him. And then all of this kind of came out and I'm like, dude, like I, I can't get with this. So how did that lunch go? How, like to walk well, me it, through it. 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 Yeah, <laughs> I need it, to it, know. It wasn't, it wasn't argumentative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we were good friends and yeah. we, we spoke and he knew me. Like I said, he'd been to my house. We had steaks together, you know, and I, I love to grill. I'm a griller. So if you no, come to my house and you say you like to grill, like it's on like Donkey Kong. So, yeah, yeah. you know, if you want to fellowship and have some steaks and stuff like that, man, I praise God. He's taught me how to grill over the years. I'm, I'm on the next flight. All right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. So it was cordial, friendly, but it was also weird um, because he made me realize very, very quickly that I was not going to do anything to change his mind. Like he was dead set and entrenched in his position. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, so I, so I was like, it was friendly and kind, but at the same time, it was a little weird because I realized, look, he is who he is and he's part of a denomination. So they are who they are. Yeah. And they're probably not going to change. So I knew kind of right then I was on the outskirts looking in. So then fast forward like six months later and I'm, I'm still in prayer and I'm talking to my wife about what just happened. And so we're going back and forth with all that. And so I'm still wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. Now, keep in mind when all this is going on, I'm, I'm also, a, a, I was a chaplain um, at my job. So like, like once a month, I would still preach and teach and do all that mm -hmm. um, at my job. And he would come and I would invite him to the, the services. So he got to hear me preach. So he knew that I was a preacher. I was, a, you know, a minister and I pastored before in Iraq. So he knew my backstory too. So six months later, I have lunch with him again. And he says this, he says, Joe, he says, he says, I recognize that there's a leadership call and a pastoral role on your life. And he's like, you know, and if you can convert to oneness, then he's like, then I can help you out. But he's like, since you're not oneness, he's like, I can't introduce you to my pastor friends and I can't, you know, do this and I can't do that. And, and I went home and I'm like, wait a minute. That's corny. I, yeah, it's like I always was taught that kind of like in the book of Acts where they, they recognized the call on Paul and Barnabas. The church recognized what God was doing through them. And then the Bible says they laid hands on them and they prayed for them. And then they, basically the church sent them out giving their blessing. Yeah. Right. So to use that principle or that model, like he just recognized I have a calling in my life. I have an anointing in my life. I have a leadership call in my life. I have a pastoral call in my life. Well, then, hello, pastor. It's the church's <laughs> job to help you then become and empower and equip and then send you out as that pastor. But he says, no, you have to convert to oneness first. And I'm like, and I told him, I said, I don't want to convert. I've already been converted from darkness to light. I don't need to convert another time. Yeah, yeah. So I left amicably. Now, this was right 
before COVID hit. Mm. Um, so this was right around the beginning of 2020. And then, as you know, like February, March, 2020 COVID hit, and then they shut the church down anyway, and they were doing online church and stuff like that. Yeah. And then right about that same time. So they did online church for about six months. And then, so we would still watch it every now and again, just because we need to kind of something. But I was like, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to go there and all this other stuff. And then couple months after that, me and my wife were, were doing foster to adopt. So we were in the foster care system and we got two Hispanic, Hispanic kids and they still visited their biological mom on Sundays mm. at the same time the service was going on. Um, so we had to be home. So when the social workers came, they could come get the kids, take them to see their mom for a couple hours and come back. So between COVID and the two kids we were fostering that we, we, and we fostered them for like eight months. Um, and then they went to tech, they found some family in Texas and then they went to go live with them in Texas. So between COVID and fostering men, me and my wife maybe went to church maybe three or four times in a year and a half. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, and then the, then the kids left <clears throat> and then our house was quiet <laughs> for a while. <laughs> um, and then by that time, kind of COVID kind of calmed down and they were reopening the churches and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay. But then I'm like, God, I don't really, I mean, I love them but I don't want to go back. Yeah. I just, because of our, you know, theological doctrinal disagreements, I don't goes, want to go back. It goes beyond just like a theological doctrinal difference. Right. This is, this is a heresy, you know, yeah. this is, this is uh, like you are, if, if there's anybody in that church that knows better and still, um, you know, is still choosing to completely ignore the doctrine of the Trinity, you know, after they've been shown, Hey, what, what you believe is wrong. Well, honestly, that's the thing. I don't know if, if, if they have been exposed to it. And, and I say that to say this because they do, at least from what I've seen, they do a very, very good job of discipling them in what they believe. Yeah. So it's, it's almost as if, like, until you, God himself opens up your eyes. Yeah. Like, they're not going to see it because they're so entrenched entrenched that's the word they're so entrenched into their doctrine that it's like they're like stuck like a beetle in the mud and they're not coming out like yeah. until, unless god supernaturally brings his hand in the mud and rips them out like they are in it um and, and it's hard man and it's hard and that's when i knew so between those two lunches that i had with him i'm like i'm really just kind of wasting my time here and two, as a the pastor of my house, I don't want my family personally to be exposed to that. Um, so it's like I need to, I need to go somewhere else. So, okay, so around or about, I don't know, maybe six months ago. <laughs> Literally, I mean, it's been re that's how recent yeah. it is. I'm like, God, go where? Like, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, cause when we first moved here to North Carolina from Washington state, the very first church that we joined was a word of faith, prosperity, gospel church. And they, and the pastor invited Kenneth Copeland's praise and worship team leader. Oh my gosh. To be the speaker and the praise and worship leader at this one particular Sunday. And once that, once that happened, I'm like, I'm done, man. Like I'm, I'm I would done. Cry. I would cry. I, I, I'm like, I'm done, <laughs> you know? Um, and it would really, it, he really frustrated me. And by the way, because of this and because of many other things too, when we did finally leave that church, it did not go amicably at all. We had a very, yeah. very, I, I want to know, 
I want to know about that right there because so for anyone listening who does not know what word of faith is, it is you explain it. You you know you it's, you'll probably explain it better, but it, it's it's yeah. deceptive. Well, one, it's a heresy, but two, it's more than a heresy. It's a cult. It's yeah. a culture that's like a cult. It is. They are their own movement. Like they they think all alike. They speak all alike. They think all alike because again, they do a very good job of discipling and indoctrinating their people too. Mm-hmm. And so what ha- it's like a cultish movement. And what it is, there's a couple main characteristics that is in it, and you can define it. Number one, they believe that. Jesus just didn't die for our salvation and our sins. He died to basically redeem us of all curses. So therefore, if poverty is a curse, then he redeemed us from poverty. So number one, God wants us to be rich. And I'm not just talking about like rich in our health and rich in our relationships, even though later on they did say that so they can kind of soften it a little bit. But in the late 90s, it was about God wants you to be a millionaire. Like God wants you hog nasty wealthy. On so number one, rich, and I'm I'm talking prosperity like nobody's business rich. Number two, also he wants you to be. They call it the health and wealth gospel. He wants you to be completely healthy. So they don't believe in like cancer or sickness or COVID or you know none of those things. Like you got to be 100 like healthy and healed like all the time. Which leads me to my second point. If you ever do get like cancer or COVID or whatever, they believe in the name it and claim it, you know, blab it and grab it doctrine to where you can just speak it into existence. So if you ever do get diagnosed with cancer, you can speak to your cancer and you can speak to your COVID and you can tell your COVID to go and your cancer to go. And it ha- and it somehow has to, you know, obey your command as if you are a God. And there's a reason. Here's number three. Because they believe you are a God with a small letter G. Um, So they believe anything that Jesus did, we can do too. So, because they believe that we are a God. We not only, you know, we have divine in us because we have the Holy Spirit, but we are also a divine being ourselves. And as a divine being, we can control the weather. We can speak to COVID, which is why when Kenneth Copeland rebuke COVID. Remember when he, he, he's like, I curse you COVID-19. And right. When he did all that stupid, stupid stuff. Well, there's a reason why in his defense, there's a reason why he did that because Kenneth Copeland, since like the late eighties has been teaching, we are divine beings. We are gods. Okay. This to give you even, even how more blasphemous that is. One of Kenneth Copeland's good friends is a guy by the name of Bill Winston. Bill Winston has, and you can Google this. You can actually Google and watch the series. He actually has a series called Understanding Your Divinity. Okay? Not, I have divine in me because I have the Holy Spirit. No. Understanding who you are in your divineness. Okay? So they believe that we are gods. We, therefore, we can name it and claim it. And then thirdly, we need to be hog nasty rich, which kind of, goes into the NAR, New Apostolic Reformation, because they believe that we're, Christians are supposed to rule and reign the earth through the seven like pillars of se- seven mountains of influence. Yeah. So NAR and Word of Faith, Prosperity Gospel, they, they kind of are like, I call them the twin sisters. They're, they have a little bit different DNA, but they have the same spiritual parent. And that is world domination 
through Jesus. <laughs> so that's why they believe, you know, we need to own everything because we need to control everything and everything needs to be in the hands of the Christians. So we need to have all the money. That's why God wants us all wealthy. He wants us to have the Lamborghinis and these mansions because, and then they really twist it because what a great evangelism tool, evangelistic tool that is. Because see how rich we are? Now the world will want it because they want what we have. So we really don't even have to preach the gospel anymore. We just got to preach our wealth. And it'll make the people want to come to our churches, which help lead into the seeker-sensitive movement and all of that. Because we were just giving the sinner, just giving the sinful world what they already wanted. And the prosperity gospel just completely and totally fed into that beast. Um, so the NAR, Word of Faith, Prosperity, they all funneled and they fed the seeker-sensitive movement beast. Um, which, by the way, Bill Hybels, the guy that got in trouble, he was one of the like founding godfathers of that seeker-sensitive movement. And even he said, he, he, he gave an article back in 2007, and he basically said the seeker-sensitive movement was a total, complete failure. Um, he said, he's like, it was great for building great big mega churches, mm -hmm. but it was horrible in what they discovered. It was very horrible in creating actual spiritual death. So he's like, yeah, it's great if you want to have big churches, but it's horrible if you actually want to have spiritual maturity. And my point is Bill Hybels, the founding like father of this movement says it sucks, right? <laughs> he, he said it back in 2007. And yet here we are in 2022, almost going to 2023, and there's still a lot of churches that are using his model. They're still using the materials that he built, and he re he reneged on it back in 2007. So it just lets you know that there's still a lot of churches that haven't got that memo. Yeah. Because they're still using a lot of his wrong stuff. So anyway. So, you know, when, as you talk about it, right, uh, the Word of Faith movement and the Prosperity Gospel and the NAR, um, it really reminds me of New Age spirituality. Oh, yeah, right? totally. So, you know, the whole name it and claim, like I have a my mug right here. It says Law of Attraction, and I, I cross out the attraction part, and so it just says Law of Action because, right. you know, I, I think I was caught up in the law of attraction and, and oh, yeah. new age spirituality like crazy I, I was to the point i called it being stuck on the secret cycle right you remember the book the secret yeah so being stuck on the secret cycle yeah. is like uh you know you can't say anything negative because what you speak comes into existence you know you can't think anything negative because that takes you off the frequency of whatever it is you're trying to attract you know right. you you have to cut off all negative people you can't be friends with negative people you can't be in negative environments you, yep. you have to always display gratitude you got to say thank you all the time you have to like all of this mm. crazy mystic nonsense and yep. I, I truly believe that the word of faith movement is just the um, is just the new age repackaged. It's occultism exactly. repackaged with Jesus on it. You know, they, they wrap it in Christmas paper, uh, right. Christmas wrapping paper. It's exactly what it is. And, and to your point on that, it's very cultish. Um, if like for like, for instance, right now, me and you, um, we wouldn't be allowed in the church. <laughs> first of all and if we were we would definitely not be allowed to be elders or leaders um because 
you know, they would label us as you're the troublemakers. You are, you know, the, the, the stir of strife. You know, you're, you're the, you know, the accuser of the brethren, which last time I checked, that oh was a title gosh. for Satan. Um, you know what I mean? They would, they would, you know, you're that troublemaker. You're not a team player. I get called um, this stuff all the time anyway. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> right. So you're in good company, brother. You're in good company. Um, so you're going to get all these labels. And then secondly, when you do have something to say, they'll silence you by saying, particularly if it's against like the pastor or the bishop or whatever, they'll say, you know, you're touching God's anointed. Oh, my gosh. If I had a right. dollar, bro, if I had a dollar for every time somebody says that to me. Yeah, just real quickly for everybody who may be listening, that is totally, completely out of context to what that verse is talking about. That is actually David having the ability to physically kill King Saul when he had the chance. And he decided not to do it, okay? Um, so that's what it's about. But see, they teach, well, you can kill somebody with your words. And you can kill, and that's true, you can, you could ruin their reputations and all that. But if I'm just asking questions, and the word of God says you're talking about apples, and now you're talking about bananas and oranges, then obviously you're not talking about the same fruit. Like there's obviously something wrong here. And I just had a question, Bishop. I just got a question, Pastor. And they will, like you said, oh, you just got negative thoughts, brother, and you, you're just speaking negatively, and you're just, you know, you're, and then this will happen. I'll give you a quick story if you just give me a couple minutes if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. They're really, when you're into the prosperity gospel, they're really big on your blessing and your favor is tied to the bishop or it's tied to that church you're in. Let me tell you what happened with me. Let me tell you how they recruited me. So I was under a bishop. And by the way, the bishop's spiritual father was Creflo Dollar and then his spiritual father was Kenneth Copeland. Okay. And then his spiritual father was slash Kenneth Hagin Sr. slash Oral Roberts. So that was my family tree. Like I had my father in the faith, then my bishop, then Kenneth Copeland, or excuse me, Carefell Dollar, Kenneth Copeland, Oral Roberts. So that was my family tree. So anytime, so I connected with them and they, they would call that, well, you're now in covenant with us, right? That's what they'll say. They'll say, we are now in covenant. You came in covenant. Now they teach, there's, there's two ways you can get into a covenant with your bishop or your men of God. There's two ways. One, you become a spiritual son or daughter of the man of God or of that house, of the ministry, which I was. I was like the spiritual grandson of the bishop. Or two, you sow money into that man of God or into that church. So they basically taught me, if you give money, you now have access to his anointing. So whatever money or wealth or blessings or favor or whatever that, that bishop gets, you now have access to his money or his anointing or his fame or whatever, because you're now in covenant with that bishop, with that men of God. So, so I did both. I was a spiritual son of the house and I sowed into that ministry. Um, so I, I did do all that. And then they said, okay, well, and they also said, well, you know, Joe, when you're in covenant with somebody, you know, the covenant always multiplies from generation to generation. So like, you know how like, you know, Abraham, you know, he had Isaac and then Isaac had two sons, but then, you know, Jacob had 12 sons. So you know the generation, it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. So you know, Joe, like Bishop has, you know, a 1,200-member church, 
which means I'm probably going to have a two or 4,000 member church. And Joe, you're going to have like an 8,000 member church, Joe. Um, <laughs> bro, that was the sales pitch. Yo, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so that's what I, that, that, that was my indoctrination. That's what, that's what they were telling me. Now, keep in mind, remember when I was, I was a teenager, like I didn't have that father figure. I didn't have that, that mentoring. I didn't have that validation. So when you got these, these elders and bishops and they're feeding you all this, like, it's like, yeah, I'm the man and I want to be the man and praise God. This is, and you're taught that this is all part of the favor of God, right? So one, that's completely all wrong. But two, what it's really teaching there is that your blessing or your anointing is tied to the man of God. Mm-hmm. So if anything happens to you, anything good happens to you, then it's like, well, Joe, well, you know that happened is because you're in covenant with us. So you should expect all these blessings to kind of just rain down from heaven, if you will, because that's what happens, Joe, when you're connected to this covenant. When you're connected to this covenant, man, this is the kind of stuff that happens. And then conversely, what they're not telling you, though, if Joe, if you ever leave the covenant, then boy, you're just going to be, you know, you're just going to be out there flapping in the wind, man. Because I mean, you're, you're you're messing with your anointing and you're messing with your favor and you're messing with your blessing. So boy, if you ever leave us, you won't be nothing if you get out there on your own. So yeah, man, it's, it's, which leads to the whole cultish behavior that we've been talking about. It so, yeah, sounds it, like, it, it, they sound like witches, like, yeah. like you're, like you're in a, like you're in a witch covenant. It's that's yeah crazy to me yeah and and the whole what gets me is the threats right um so when i was involved in santeria uh brief history lesson santeria is um for those of you listening santeria is a religion where um you know it took african deities uh, you know, from African spirituality, it took deities and then put saints' names on those deities, and then people pray to the saints, right? And I was one of those people who prayed to the saints. I did not know they were other deities. Obviously, you and I know these were demons that I was praying mm-hmm. and praising. Uh, so, long story short, they make you, they, if you want blessings, you got to mm-hmm. like make these altars and stuff like that, like yeah. these candles and, and, and all of that. So, you know, I, I would do that. And this was, I was using it as a good luck charm because I just wanted, I wanted money. I wanted fame. I wanted to be a, a rapper. Yeah. And, and I, I went to a, a ceremony and they told me all these things and I was like, cool, I'm in. Yeah, whatever. I'll light these stupid candles. I don't even really believe in God at the time. So I'm like, yeah, I'll li- <laughs> okay, I'll light the candles. It was the worst that can happen. Little did I know, right? So I stopped lighting the candles and I stopped doing it just because, you know, whatever. And I got a call saying that the saints were mad at me like the one of the people who was involved so when i went back they were like oh if you don't if you don't like these things if you don't do all this stuff for you we're gonna take everything from you Mm. and i was like are we like we're we're giving threats now like it was it was uh but since i didn't really believe in god i was like whatever as long as things keep going well i'll keep lighting these candles you know it's a whole long story of, of how i came out of that but it's just interesting right so what, one of the things that I've noticed about real, true Christianity, right? You are only here by choice, right? Uh, essentially, you have to choose to be a Christian. You have to put your faith 
in Christ, right? Right. And I'm not mm-hmm. getting like theologically deep or anything like that. I'm just talking on the surface level. That's what you got to do. You have to put your faith in Christ, right? There's no like, hey, uh, you know, if you leave, your house is going to go into foreclosure and oh. your um, eye sockets are going to pop your eyes out of your skull. And like, there's, there's no threats like that, you know? There's no, uh, it's all, hey, you know, it, you want to leave? Why, why do you want to leave? What, let, can we help you walk through right. this process? Can we, there's a whole different thing. There's no threats involved in you right. wanting to, you know, if you want to renounce your faith and, and, and all right, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. There's no threats uh, in doing so. All these other religions, all these other cults, all everything, you could go from um, from just pantheism to, you know, occultism and, and that new age spirituality to the regular cults, you know, like the Jehovah's Witness and then the, um, you know, the cults of the word of faith and all of this stuff, all these cult-like environments. If you leave, you are now the enemy and bad things are going to happen to you. And it's like, if that's not the biggest, uh, you know, sign in the world that Christianity got to be the true religion, because it's like, hey, we we want you to stay, but you're you're free to go if you want to. You know, it's it's such a red flag when somebody starts making threats. It's like you that insecure in the truth of what you're saying. Right. Well, that's what happened with um, that pastor that we left the get. I said all that to go back to the answer yeah, to your yeah. question. When, when we left that church around or about 2018-ish, um, it, like I said, it did not end amicably. Um, we found out the pastor was word of faith, but and he used to say, he said, I'm word of faith, but I'm not like them. But then you invite Kenneth Copeland's praise and worship team <laughs> or the leaders to the church. So how can you say I'm not like them, but you're inviting them? Right. So it's like, come on now. So you are them. I mean, you're, you're deceived and you don't even know it. Um, so it's like, yeah, you, you claim to people like me, you're not like them, but then you go and invite them to basically poison the saints. Um, and sure enough, his, the guy's wife got up and is like, say I'm rich. And they're like, I'm rich. And sure enough, she was talking about money. And I'm like, so you just invited Kenneth Copeland's minions to the church. So don't say I'm not like them, but you are inviting them. So therefore, by default, you are like them because you're giving them permission to have free reign amongst Mm -hmm. the sheep. Yep. So um, we had a meeting in his, me and my wife had a meeting with him um, in his, you know, his office and we said we were leaving and whatnot. And we actually thought about starting a home church, me and my wife in our home for a while. Cause I'm like, where do we go? Like, I, like these churches, I, I, I can't do it anymore, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we were thinking about, you know, doing a home church, but before, you know, we, we did it, we, we partnered with a ministry in Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. And we were just going to watch services online with them for a while until we kind of figured it out. You know, and he's like, well, that's not church and blah, 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 blah. Um, and to make a long story short, he's like, I want to give you a, a DVD series that I did years ago called What is the Church? And I listened to the whole thing. It was like six DVDs of like six sermons. <laughs> that he did. And, and I listened to the whole thing. And, and I did like a three page letter 
response. I said, okay, pastor, this is what I liked about it. And this is what I disagree with. And here's why. And he came back and said, well, I didn't give you that series for you to critique it. I give it to you to listen. And it's, I, I'm just really disappointed that you didn't learn anything. I'm like, wow. Um, I didn't learn anything. I listened to the whole six DVD series and I gave you a three page typed up response. Um, I think I was pretty doggone thorough to be yeah. quite honest with you. I think I paid attention to what you wanted me to pay attention I, exactly. to. And, and I'm like, okay, if you're going to, if you're going to do that, then, um, apparently pastor, and I didn't say this, but I could have, if I wanted to, I said, excuse me, I, I should have, well, I can't say should have, but I would have been like, okay, pastor, it's apparently when you read my three page response, you didn't learn anything either. Yeah. Um, because, and that let me realize that he was very, very arrogant when it came to the word of faith, prosperity gospel. And if anybody challenged him, he was going to blacklist him and, and throw them out the door. And I know that for a fact, because when I was in, when me and my wife were in this church, we actually started to become one of the leaders in this church. And so they, 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 um, they told us to go to the leadership training classes that they had. And in the training classes they had, his son was teaching, if anybody leaves the church, um, don't associate with them anymore. Um, completely just red flag. red flag. And he was teaching this in, in the leadership training. And one of the ladies in the training was like, well, hold up. Like, what if like, yeah, they leave the church, but like they got kids and we got kids and like, we still want to hang out like, cause we have play dates and stuff. And the pastor's son was like, yeah, basically you need to cut that off. Nah. And, um, I was like, what? Like, huh? So basically he was teaching like when they leave the church and it's not amicably, you basically blacklist them and cut them off. That's in incredible. This is why there's so much church hurt out there. Thank God yeah. uh, you're, you seem to be stubborn like me, where <laughs> it's like no matter how many bad things happen, you're like, nah, man, I'm rooted in Christ. Uh, so we'll, right. we'll, we'll find something else. We'll, we'll do something out. Right. Even, something and that's else. what, you know, honestly, John, it was like, I don't know what that something else is. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. But you know what? I'm not staying here. Yeah. It's um, sometimes the whole, you know, uh, you know, we're commanded to gather. You know, it's yeah. it's so important. But as as much as I, I truly do believe in that, um, it, we're also told, as as I discussed earlier, bad company corrupts good character, right? Okay. So if if I have a choice between not gathering with people who are just jacking up the the Bible and and creating cult like environments or gathering and being surrounded by those people who could possibly influence me and now I start slipping in my walk and I start allowing certain things that I, I know are not right just so that way I can fellowship for the sake of unity. Yeah. I'm picking the, the watch online church every time. You yeah. know, and I'm a big advocate. Like I tell people, go to church. Yeah, right. I know you love the online service. Yeah, I know you love, but find a church. So I'm a big advocate for it, but I am more of an advocate of don't go to a, a, a church that is, that is going to end up hurting you down the right. line. Right. It's funny you say that, John, because I'm actually working on a video I'm going to do here in January when the new year starts. Um, talking about, yeah, go back to church, but what we really need is better churches. Yeah. 
Um, because like, I'm not going to tell somebody to go back to church when I know that their church sucks. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? That's like, no, you need to leave that church and you need to find a good one. Yeah. Um, I've been talking with a, with a few, hard. yeah, I've been talking with a few of, uh, you know, our Christian YouTube friends and, and trying to brainstorm on how we can help people find churches that are, you know, within their in their area that, uh, you know, in, in our group, we have a bunch of different theological, uh, you know, differences, yeah. but we're strong on the core things and we're strong on, you know, not drifting into these heretical or weird uh, teachings that may not be like heretical, but are just like not biblical, like they're just weird. Right. right? Yeah. Um, because there are there is lines, you know, and uh, so we've been having that discussion and, and I'm praying that God gives gives us a revelation of how to go about that because so many people reach out to me like hey i've been trying to go to churches in my area and i, I can't really find right. anything you know it's it's difficult it was difficult here in puerto rico especially because i you know i'm still working on my spanish so there may be churches that are more theologically aligned with but but you don't speak it yeah, yeah i can't <laughs> i can't dig into the word if i don't understand the words you know <laughs> right i hear you um, and it, it's hard. Like I said, me and my wife, we're still trying, I'll be honest, transparent. We're still trying to figure it out. Um, yeah. uh, particularly since we just adopted, you know, the six-year-old and the five-year-old. So we want to get them with yeah. Christian couples and Christian kids. And, you know, we want to have, you know, friends and networks and fellowships and, you know, all those type of things where we get around some good, powerful Christian couples. And, you know, me and my wife are really, really looking forward to that. Yeah. It's like, where is that? It's and, something God will provide because this is, you yeah. know, and I'm not speaking prophetically or anything like that, but it's it's right. in alignment with God's will, you know, right. Uh, right. wanting to be in fellowship with Christians who want to be in fellowship and, and want to grow in their faith in <clears> Christ. <throat> I have noticed, especially just in this past year alone, me and my wife, you know, we were, were out here in Puerto Rico pretty much by ourselves. And we're like, you know, I, I want to connect with more Christian people that that are really trying to walk the walk. And then we found the church where a whole bunch of other gringos out here are, you know, going to. But on a bigger scale, God connected me with all of these Christian YouTubers. And now, I, mm -hmm. I you know, I'm connected with a pastor here, connected with here, connected with you, connected with Daryl. And just being in fellowship with, with people, even if it's not physically, it just it's such a blessing. And yeah. that's that's in alignment with God's will. We were asking for that and God delivered on it because there's certain things, you know, when, when uh, you know, I'm not the type of person who believes that everything that you pray for, God's going to answer a yes to or anything. But I think there are certain things where if given enough time, God is 100 percent saying yes all the time. And it's it's one of those is wanting to be in I community with home. his yeah. people, you know. So I'll be praying for you and, uh, you know, my wife will be praying for you guys as well to, you know, hopefully that happens or, or if God provides a way where you start something, I don't know. But anybody who's listening to this, definitely keep Joe and his family in your, in your prayers so yeah, they can find that. something. Yeah, of course. So we've been on here for like an hour and 15 minutes. Um, I've, I, I told you, I'm like, look, we're definitely going over an hour, so let's not do seven <laughs> o'clock. Uh, you know, just because we, we have so much in common when, uh, when it comes to our theological, um, just our walks through, you know, the roller coasters of growing in your faith and stuff like that and, and coming out of movements. Cause I was in the prosperity gospel for a brief time right. too. 
um, and it's just so deceptive and uh, it's important to have these conversations and for people to listen in on them so they could ask themselves, wait a minute, am I? Am I going to one of these churches? You know, and we're not trying to ruin things for anybody, but we want to we want to make you aware. So, well, like I said, it, it's it's so it's so pervasive. Not to cut you off, John, yeah, but yeah. even if you did leave the Word of Faith Prosperity Gospel and you're in a what you would call a sound church today, because back in the late '90s, early 2000s, Prosperity Gospel Word of Faith that that's all that was on TV, mm-hmm. like. You know, if you ever turned on like TBN or Daystar or Inspiration Network or the Word Network, Prosperity Gospel Word of Faith stuff was all you were going to get. Mm-hmm. You know, you were going to listen to T.D. Jakes. You were going to listen to Creflo Dollar. You were going to listen to Bishop Eddie Long. You were going to listen to uh, Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis. This is all you got. And and it was shoved down the Christian radios and the Christian TV because they had all the money. So they had all the money to buy the airtime, yeah. right? So, man, this is what you got. So this was the brand of Christianity. This was what the world was getting and through their satellites and all that. So, man, we, we exported this and we were feeding it to our American counterparts like crazy. And this was in the early 2000s, late 90s. This was the Christianity that America got. Uh, and it was tainted. It was fleshly. It was carnal, which, by the way, Around 2006, 2007, that's when a lot of those pastors got exposed and they were getting divorces and sex scandals and all of that because there was a whole bunch of sin in the camp, too, that nobody was addressing. Mm -hmm. Because they were building those houses on flesh and carnality and they weren't being built on the word of God. So anything that you do that's not of God, God's going to eventually tear down and stuff's going to get exposed. And that's what was happening. Um, But people are so deceived, you know, that they, they came back and they were still listening to these people and. And, you know, shameless plug here. <laughs> this is my book, Word of Faith Preachers, How um, how Misinterpretation of Scripture Might Lead You Astray. This is my book that I wrote exposing all this. Um, so needless to say, when I exposed it, like, I lost all my... <laughs> All my connections in the prosperity gospel. I lost I'm 100% my... getting that book. 100%. I'm going to leave <laughs> well, it in thanks. the description of this video too. So make sure you send me the link where, where people can get it. I'll, I'll put it in the description. That's, sure. uh, that's awesome. I'm really digging into this stuff right now, uh, especially because I, I might have that debate coming up. So I'm like really, really, really extra digging into, you know, those topics, the word of faith, the deliverance. Well, to, to your point, you know, the, yeah. you said the law of uh, action, not attraction, because it is very much new age, but like you said, it's packaged different. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know the lingo, if you don't know the language, you don't know what's really being said. But in the law of attraction, it's basically, you know, you can think it, you know, you believe it, and then you can basically do these things, either speak it or think it or do certain actions to basically attract what you want and bring it into your life. Well, they basically say the same thing. You know, like you said, you, you, you can't speak any negative thought, you know, or you can't speak any negative thing. You can't have any negative thoughts because that's just fear and doubt and the enemy attacking your brain. And so you have to have all of these positive things. You have to, and you have to get Christians that believe like you and think like you. So they call it, you know, being surrounded by like precious faith. No, really, what you just did is you just got an amen corner. It just believes in everything that you want to believe, and they're just going to you know, pat you on the back and give you what you want. That, that's all that is. It's just, it's just an amen corner. But they call it you know, surrounding yourself with a circle of friends that are of like precious-minded faith. And 
If you believe God, and particularly then if you sow money into it, then you're now activating your faith to where God, he has to respond because you activated your faith and you know God responds to faith. So you sowed money and you prayed and you spoke positive stuff and you sown positive stuff and you surrounded yourself with positive, like-minded people. And there, this, remember Kenneth Copeland, money cometh to me now, yep. right? It's the law of attraction to where you now get what you want by speaking it or sowing into it or, you know, that kind of thing to where you're attracted to this carnal, fleshly, materialistic desi desire. And then God basically comes as the genie in a bottle to mm -hmm. basically grant you your, all your wishes and then make all your dreams come true. Um, it's just a twisted, mysticistic version of the law of attraction. Just like you said, with just Jesus being sprinkled on top of it with wrapping paper. But it's, it's really new age. It's new age mysticism, law of attraction, garbage. It's it's absolutely disgusting because, um, you know, I th I truly think that it's worse than uh, the law of attraction. And the reason right. being is the law of attraction on its own. You know, with occultism and. One issue is people don't realize it's rooted in occultism and, and Luciferianism. I go into that in my book, but um, at least it's separate from Jesus, right. you know? So if it messes you up or whatever, you're not blaming Jesus. When it comes right. to the word of faith, it disgusts me so much because you set these false expectations of God and then people fall right. in love with a God that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And then when they realize that they've been lied to and manipulated and deceived, they do one of two things. They either walk away from the faith completely or then they go in the occult direction and become New Agers. But yeah. you, you never want to hear about Jesus ever again. Now, I've been right. to the church. The church hurt me. And it, oh, it aggravates me so much, man. So much. Right. Well, can I give you an example of that? I yeah, had a and I'm not speaking ill will of this man. Uh, mm -hmm. because he lost his wife via cancer. Um, so anytime you lose a loved one, that's devastating. So I'm not speaking ill will of him. But he, when, as his wife was going through cancer, um, and she was, you know, the doctors are saying she was terminal and she's not going to make it or whatever. He would, you know, so they put her on hospice. And my wife, who's a hospice nurse, so my wife would like visit her a lot. And he'd have praise and worship playing in the house all day long, 24 seven, because he's like, I don't want to have anything negative in the atmosphere. Right. So much. In fact, that like, you know, she's on hospice. She just wanted to like watch TV sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. and she just wanted to chill and just relax in her last hours. But he believed, you know, name it and claim it. Don't speak. She's dying. You know, only speak healing, only speak positive, only have, positive praise and worship in the atmosphere 24 seven. Cause we're going to flood the atmosphere with positivity and all this stuff. His wife died. So the name it and claim it, the positivity, the positive, you know, whatever in the atmosphere, all that, whatever, none of it worked. Yeah. None of it worked. She still died. And, and I say that to say this, there's so many people that they came out of the word of faith, but they came out of the word of faith hard, if you will, or something bad happened because they, they realized and they found out the hard way 
that what they're teaching is just garbage. And what, the, the, what they're selling, a lot, it just doesn't work half the time because what they're saying just isn't true. You can't just get whatever you want just because you want it. I mean, it's just not how Christianity works. Um, they make the word of faithers make a complete mockery of the sovereignty of God. Like mm. the whole idea of the sovereignty of God doesn't exist with them because really you're the one who's sovereign. Yeah. Because God works for you, basically. You got to activate it. You got to activate you're, you're it. You're the and then one once you do, activating it. Yeah. And then once you do, God is some like genie in a bottle that just has to succumb to your wills. That's not Christianity at all. Um, the arrogance. The arrogance, the blasphemy, the pride, the, this blatant. Um, I even heard a sermon one time. Jesse Duplantis said, before God did something one time, God was basically asking Jesse's opinion on it. Oh, I saw that. I saw that clip. I mean, yep. really? Like, God needs your counsel? Really? Like, that's just so prideful, arrogant. But again, if you believe you're a God, which they do, this is just normal, regular Tuesday talk, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> because this is just this is just a an extension of what they already believe. And again, if you believe you're God and you believe you can name it and claim it and you believe that we're supposed to be hog nasty rich, then this is just normal thought processes for you. So it's only a matter of time before it comes out behind the pulpit because that is who and what they are and who and what they believe. And and it, and it has come out over and over and over and over again. It's incredible, man. I'm uh, I'm really glad we got to have this uh this conversation. And I would like to um definitely bring you back and go more in depth on your book itself, please, because that's a, I saw how thick it was. I'm like, man, there's there's some information in there. So yeah, you know, 246 pages, but it's not it's it's not like really really small font. So it, it's a pretty easy read on the eyes um and i got another book too just to really yeah because yeah. we were talking about holiness and all that so i actually got another book called holiness can the church do this or not and it says and if the church can how come it seems so many in the church are not doing it mm. um so i really really now this is before i studied like the seeker sensitive movement because I, I really could do like another two or three chapters and add it to this yeah because one of the reasons the seeker-sensitive movement is so big is because they stop teaching holiness mm -hmm. and they stop teaching sin, and people love it because they're like, "Oh, you know, I love Joe Olstein or whatever," because he, he's just so non-judgmental. Yeah. Well, that's just you know, Christiany, well, fake Christiany speak for he doesn't preach on holiness, he doesn't preach against sin. That's why these mega churches are so mega, is because people love that watered-down whatever, and. You know, so I, I I could add probably another two or three chapters to that book talking about the secret sense. Revised edition. Revised edition, yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, so. it's crazy. It's like they go there to die, you know. Like that's that's really what it is. It it feels good, but you're going there to die. You're you're right. not growing. You're either growing or dying. There's no in between. And you're you're going there thinking you're getting nourished, but you're getting fed like arsenic. Like it, it it's right. It's it's like it's like anthrax that, that tastes like sugar. Right. You know? Well, like yeah. we talked about before, John, like even it, like, cause a lot of people will make this claim, but there's so many people, Joe, getting saved there. And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's just say, let's just go with the argument. But the reality is because of that watered down word, they're babes in Christ. 
And the reality is, is they're going to stay babes in Christ forever. To use your analogy, like for a, a baby to grow, you can't give them Gerber baby food forever. Yeah. Like eventually when the child gets to a certain point, you got to switch it up and start giving him harder stuff to the digest so they can grow. So if I'm 30 years old and I'm still eating Gerber baby food, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Like that is not healthy and normal. And what's happening is you're getting Gerber baby food Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You're intentionally keeping them infants. Um, and that's just, and one of the, and I found this out too, is one of the reasons they want to keep infants is so they can control them. Oh yeah, of course. They, they give them just enough to where they got to keep coming back next Sunday. It's like church is their crack. Yep. And they give them just enough to where they got to come back and get that hit again. Um, and, and every once in a while, they'll have like a midweek service on Wednesday or something to give them a, like a mini hit to get them through Sunday. They'll have a conference. They'll have a conference or something. Yeah. It, and when, I'm like, come on now. And they'll when, take four or five, six offerings during that conference. Yeah, and now yeah, the conference yeah. is over. You're emotionally and mentally and financially exhausted. And now you're broke. Yep. When, when people say, uh, you know, oh, but, you know, so many people are getting saved there. My response is, are they? Right. You know, like because people are going, because people are professing Jesus before, you know, right. do, can they articulate the gospel? Right. Tell, tell me what it is. What is the gospel? You know, can, yeah. can. And most of them will say, well, God loves me. Yeah. You know, because that's what they've been taught. They believe, well, God loves me and he's got a great plan for my life. Oh, yeah, definitely. Therefore, that's the gospel to them. That's the sovereignty of God. <laughs> and I'm like, what about repentance? Well, what about it? Yeah. What about living holy? What about it? What about coming out of sin? And what people, about it? You know, living holy has got this bad name, right? I know. Where, I, I, where it's like, like, no, we're not talking legalism here. You right. know, there's, there's a big difference between legalism and trying to live a holier life, trying right. to, to do the Christian walk the correct way. There's two different things. You signed up for the class by becoming a Christian, you know? Right. Do you, do you want to pass it or do you want to stay in the same class for the rest of your life, keep getting left back, you know? No, we want to pass the class. So you're not more saved because right. you, you live more holy or, or whatever, but why on earth would you just want to get in the door? That's like being invited to the party and standing in the doorway the whole entire time. You know, like you're just, just standing there. You see everyone's in the kitchen. Everyone's having a fun time over there. Everybody's, you know, there's even an upstairs room. There's a balcony and all that. And you just, you know, you're just going to stay right there at the front door for the whole entire event. Right. You know? Well, I, one thing I did, John, is years ago, I, I did a video on is saying the sinner's prayer enough. Now, I'm not really going to come up against the sinner's prayer part of it. But yeah. what I was the, the premise I was getting was this. When we give an altar call, when we have an invitation for somebody to come to Christ, because, I, I, again, I came out of the Pentecostal charismatic roots like you did. And at the end of the service, usually that's when they have the altar call, and we invite people to come to the altar to get saved. Mm -hmm. Well, back in the day, they used to teach, hey, the altar is where stuff come to die. Like that was the place or the things in the Old Testament where they would offer the sacrifices of the animals. Mm -hmm. The altar is where the animals died. That's right. So let's, let's not get this twisted. So when you come and give an altar call, I've been, I, I tell pastors when I see them, I was like, look, you're giving an altar. You're giving an invitation for people to come and die. Mm 
Mm. That's what it is. Like being a Christian is going to cost you something. And it's not just, you know, sprinkle Jesus on my life that I hate so he can make my life better. Yeah. No, Jesus wants to take over and be in control of every aspect of your life. So that's why Jesus said, if you die for my name's sake, you will find it. Like, if you really want to find your life, you have to die to your old one. Like, so when you give an altar call to salvation, you can't get saved if you're not willing to die. Like, so you got to know that going into it. Like, salvation in Christ is going to cost you something. But now we don't even call it an altar call. If you go to a lot of these secret churches, sensitive churches now, they call it, come and make a decision for Christ. Let him into your heart. Let him into your heart. Um, Ask him into your life. Ask him into your life. (laughs) No, so I'm like, where's the come and die? Where's the come and die? So uh, the the person who who really woke me up into into becoming a Christian and really articulated the gospel, I I told you guys this on the, the other live, was like a diehard dispensationalist. And man, I remember he went off on that on that whole like like john i go to church after church if you ever heard him talk you you know this is this is a good impression <laughs> he's like john i go to church after church after church they get to the point where they're finally you know they do their whole sermon they're finally getting to the point where they're going to ask somebody to put their trust in the finished work of christ on the cross and they screw it up they do everything yep. all good and then they get to the point where you can bring them home and they just say hey say this prayer or hey let Jesus right. into your heart or, hey, tell Jesus you want him to come into your life. And now they walk out of there thinking they're a Christian and they're on their way to hell. Right. You know, I, I love I love this. See, this is if I had my way, this is just me. <laughs> maybe maybe one day when I pastor, if that God sovereignty wills it. I, I love this story in Luke. Remember, Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of God is like a man who 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 goes out to war with another army. And it's like, Jesus said, does he not count up the costs first? Mm-hmm. You got to count and the costs. If, if he realizes that he can't win the war, does he not send a delegate out first to say, hey, can we make peace? Because I know I'm going to lose. Or he says, it's like a foolish man's who starts to build a house. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't have enough money to finish it, aren't they going to call him stupid? Why? Because he didn't count up the cost to find out how much that house is going to cost. Well, so it is with the kingdom of God. Like you need to count up the, the cost before you build. <laughs> you need to count up the cost before you go to war. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is like that. So I'm like, look, you need to count up the cost before you come up here. And we as preachers need to teach what that cost is. Being a Christian is going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your mind but God is going to change you and redeem you and sanctify that. But it's going to your mind, your actions, your speech, your life. Like God wants all of us. Yeah. So it's going to cost us everything. And we have to be willing to die to our oldness in order to walk into the newness. And if, we, if we're not willing to count that cost, man, like you said, we're just going to go up there. We're just going to be saved or we think we're going to be saved. And then we, and then we leave thinking we got some radical thing. And the reality is, is man, it's like we got to be sold out for Christ. And if we're not, then we got, we got a problem. Yeah, I remember um, hearing the uh, the um, uh, 
you know, the, the welcoming, like letting Jesus into your heart and, and, and stuff like that. And they made it seem so uh, like once I do this, my life is going to be easy. Right. And I would say that there there has been a cost, obviously, of of uh, putting my faith in Christ. But the cost actually uh, took burdens off of me. You know, it was like things that I thought that I wanted to keep, you know, the, the, the way that I was, all these things that I was, that I held on to, these material things, you know, these relationships that I thought were good for me, the, you know, all of these things. It was like, I was the one holding on to all, all of this stuff, you know, like, no, I, I want it, I want it, I want it. And yet cost me those things, yeah. but the cost was freeing, you know, it, it's, it, it's, you know, when you understand grace and how, you know, God has just completely get like given you this gift, it has made uh, the difficult times that I face from becoming a Christian, you know, just uh, and in, in America, it's like what we lose some social credibility. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's you get attacked from the enemy, you know, you spiritual warfare, stuff like that. Uh, but the cost has been so, so easy mentally for me because like i just understand god's grace and i understand that the things that i that i lost i i count them as nothing you know right. i count them as absolutely nothing so where i agree with you you know that that hey people got to know the cost it's like yeah but they also got to know that what they're giving up like what right. they receive after they it's give this stuff up anyway, right? oh my gosh it's like you think like you think you want all this stuff but man, once once you're in that freedom and and you're you're just you're engulfed by God's grace, it's like the he's Jesus says, you know, my my yoke is light, and you know I, I will walk. You walk. I would rather walk with Jesus through a fire than right. be on my own in you know a field of daisies. You know, right? Well, Plus, I got allergies and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I mean by cost. I mean, Paul says I'm a prisoner for Christ. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't say that if you still believe you're living your own life the way you want to live it and do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Prisoners don't do whatever they want to do. They're confined to what the prison or the, the, the cops or the officers are telling them to do. Paul says, that's how I am for Christ. Like I, I am a prisoner for Christ. I, I do what he wants me to do. Um, it's not, you know, my best life now as far as whatever I want. It's about the best life I can have because and through him um and, and he knows what's best for us that's the whole right. thing it's like exactly. uh, why wouldn't you want to just follow like jesus say hey man if you do this you do this you do this you do this the outcome's gonna be good why would you not just want to do that stuff you know what i mean it's it makes your life easier to follow uh the the guidelines that are laid out for us it just practically even just in life practically i mean there are some things you know uh like my wife and i we've had to turn down business uh simply because the uh, and a lot of money in business we've had to turn down in the past simply because we will not uh work for certain people you know we will not work for uh, a company that's maybe promoting you know alcoholism or or, or yeah. you know and I'm not one of those people who thinks you can't drink alcohol, you know, but I mean like drugs or, or, uh, you know, even with like THC and, and all this, like we just, we have done our best to, all right, 
is, is what we do here, is this in alignment with God's word? And if not, it doesn't matter how much money uh, we're going to be paid. We just can't do it, you know. And it, so it does cost you like that, I guess, if, if you want to live correctly. But in, in denying that, we've seen God provide in, in ways that we can even begin to imagine. Yeah, right. I feel like I could talk to you for like the next uh, next six hours, right? But um, we've been on here for uh, an hour and forty minutes, so let's let's close this out. Um, so, yeah. any for- real quick, how do I yeah. do the link? Um, do I- so you just send it to me, and what I'm going to do is post it in the um, the in the description. So in the email, you want me to just email you? Yeah, back just then? email it to me, and when I when cool. this is just uploaded, I'm just going to add it to the description and I'll right, pin I'll it that. in the comments. And uh, yeah, but. You know, lead us out, you know, any last final thoughts or, or anything like that? Yeah, well, my heart is just really burdened um, for the people who may be in these these cults, really. I mean, I can't even call them churches. They're really cultish movements that got just Jesus sprinkled in. Um, and my heart is really, I have such a strong burden for them because one, I was in it and therefore I know what they're going through. Like I know they're getting pimped financially. I know that they're basically being taught, you know, just speak it and it's going to happen. And oh, by the way, and if it doesn't happen, well, it's well, then it was something wrong with your faith. Right. So now you have all these people that are thinking that, well, I didn't have enough faith or, you know, maybe God has has rejected me or, you know, what's wrong with me and how come it seems to be happening for other people, but it doesn't happen for me. Now you have this comparison game and it really leads to like a. A spiritual frustration it leads to a I don't want to use the word schizophrenic but it really kind of does lead to that kind of Christianity to where you feel like you're losing your mind I mean it really because you just you don't have peace in your soul anymore because you just you hate church you hate God but I will this is this is the encouragement that I have if, if that is you tonight or if you know people that are like that um, that's actually a good place because sometimes God will make us so sick to your stomach that you stop eating it. <laughs> and if you are getting so sick to your stomach about it, then that's a good sign that God wants you to move somewhere else. Um, I heard a preacher say one time, if the horse is dead, dismount. <laughs> right? <laughs> it, it, it may be time for you to get off that horse and go somewhere else. Um, so if that's you tonight, first of all, my heart is towards you and for you. I love you. And I just want to give you a word of encouragement too. maybe the Holy Spirit trying to tell you, you know, that disgust, that that taste you have in your mouth right now, it may be coming from God because the Holy Spirit's trying to show you some things. And he's letting you know that what you've been taught ain't right. Now, I will. That is a very at first a hard row road to walk down because you may have to be on an island by yourself for a while and because you're going to have to search this out and get alone with the holy spirit and get alone with that bible again and really get into that bible again and when you do you're going to see some things that your church ain't teaching uh and then you're gonna you're gonna have to have eventually you're gonna hit a wall and you're gonna have a dilemma on your hands what are you gonna do because once you see and hear the truth you can't unsee it once you see it it's gonna slap you right in the face and you're going to, you and your family, particularly if you're married and you got kids, you, you as a family have to decide, you know, you're going to go with God or you're going to go with man. And I hope and pray that you go with God. 
Amen. So I'd like to just pray with you tonight, if that's okay. Yeah, and um, so, Father, in Jesus' name, I just come before you to say thank you, first of all, dear God, for this time. I thank you for this fellowship, uh, you know, just talking with John tonight and on this podcast. And I just thank you, God, for, you know, even the stuff we've been through, dear God, even if it was hard or frustrating at the time, you know, who knew, dear God, 10 years ago when or a little over that when you allowed me to come out of the movement that it would lead to this podcast tonight. I had no idea that you were going to start a whole book and start a ministry and YouTube and talking about this stuff. But dear God, you did. And, and I just pray for everybody who may be in these churches. Dear God, may you open their eyes, dear God, like you did me um, and just expose the lies and the falsalities and the false teachings and these movements. And I just pray, dear God, first of all, for their comfort. I, I Holy Spirit, you are the comforter. Comfort them. I know a lot of them have frustration because they have loved ones that may have died and they can't explain it. And they've been told because because their faith was weak or they've been told they didn't sow enough money. I mean, just sickening, sadistic teaching. So, God, may they come out of these churches, dear God. May they get away from the abuse, the spiritual abuse, and just really fall in love with you again and fall in love with your word again and really comfort them, dear God, as they come out of these just horrible abuses that they've, they've suffered. And and I just pray, dear God, that you'll continue to lead them and guide them. May they find a good church and good mentors and good Christians to really hang out with, uh, to really lift them up and to pour back into them again. Some of these people, dear God, are so hurt. They're so dried up. They just feel so weak in their spirit because they've been sipping on arsenic for so long. God, be like that, you know, fresh water to come into them again and really, really give them the true nourishment of your word and the church and good Christian people around them to, to lift them back up and to feed them and give them the spiritual nourishment that they so desperately need. And I'm praying for repentance to God from these churches. I'm praying for just a repentance of these, these bishops and pastors. Um, either to God, they would step down or just, just repent because it is just filthy and it's just a stench in your nostrils, which I know it is. Uh, so God, have your sovereign will your way do it dear god the way only you can and i just thank you for it lord and i give you glory and honor and praise in jesus name amen amen well thank you so much and thank you everybody who who tuned in and uh don't forget like share subscribe all that stuff i'm gonna leave all of joe's information in the uh in the description of this video once it's uh, re-uploaded. And yeah, God bless. And if you're listening on a streaming platform, share it with your friends. All right, have a good night, guys.